It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. We're in the shootout round two. Each team has scored a goal. Kevin LeBanc has just been stopped. And right now, it's Troy Terry. He had a big assist. He has two assists in the game, in fact. Cut into the shark zone on the left side. Deeks and scores! Same move except from the other side. So two goals to one for Anaheim. And that means the Sharks are down to their final shot to keep this game alive. Who are they going to put out there? Yep, EK65. Eric Carlson is on the ice. He must score in order to keep the shootout going. He has scored three goals and one assist in the game. And here he goes. Cutting in, stick handling, holding it, and he does not score. He tried to slip it through the five-hole. Stolar stopped it. And Anaheim will take this one in a shootout, 6-5. to five. This is the first victory for Anaheim on the road this season. And so the Sharks are going to have to settle for one point after all of that. Entertaining. Well, certainly not the way we want to play, but you know, I thought the first period might have been as bad a period as we played all year. But I give Anaheim credit. I thought they came ready to play. But I liked how we responded after that. I thought we had a much better second period. Um, did a good job killing penalties, got a power play goal, and, you know, just we, we were sloppier than normal, I thought. I thought, you know, defensively we've been pretty good all year for the most part. A lot of the chances we got been off the rush and with turnovers, and tonight I thought our D-zone coverage wasn't what it's been. I didn't think we closed on people quickly and hard enough, and that gave us trouble. But, you know, we did enough to come back and tie it and, you know, killed a big penalty in the overtime, and unfortunately weren't able to get it done in the shootout. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome as we get ready for tonight's game against Florida. The San Jose Sharks coming off of what was a disappointing shootout loss against Anaheim the other night. And I read a piece in the Mercury, I assume it was by Curtis Pashelka, but he talked about the fact that this was a game that the Sharks should have been able to win. And if they cannot regularly beat Anaheim at home, then who exactly should they be able to beat? And I'm not saying that to take it away from Anaheim or anything to that capacity, but I do think it is worth noting that in what I have viewed, and I think we've all viewed as should win or must win games for the San Jose Sharks this year against Chicago and Anaheim, they have not been able to get it done while at the same time not playing to their level that we see capable in games like Toronto and games like New York against teams that are going to be in the playoffs, or a team like Tampa Bay, who has been in three straight Stanley Cup finals. This, it is a a troubling trend, and it's something that I've talked about with the inconsistencies, and we're going to get into that a little bit later here with Leah Hextall, who's on the call tonight for ESPN. But I, I just, it really does make you wonder about where this team's mental place is, because if they, if they can't get up for an Anaheim, why exactly are they getting up for games that they shouldn't have as good of a chance in. And I'm not saying that to be inflammatory or anything, but it's like they shouldn't play that well against Toronto and New York and Tampa only to, on the other side, lose 
to a team like Anaheim. Like there is a lack of consistency that we're seeing. There is a lack of predictability. It's not on the players individually. It's not on the coaches individually. It's on everyone as a collective. And I know that Eric Carlson is doing his job. I know that Timo Meyer in that game did his job by making things happen. But at the same time, you need everyone. You need the entirety of your team to be able to play to a certain level and be able to get you these goals, these points, the consistency. And again, the thing that is most troubling to me because it's the new consistent problem for the Sharks is them being slow out of the gates. And it's been developing for a while now. And yes, the second period has gotten better, but they give up three goals in the first period the other day. And yeah, they had two from Eric Carlson, but if you get two goals from Eric Carlson in the first period, you should be winning that game or at least in the lead. If you get a hat trick from Eric Carlson, you should win the game when all is said and done, not earn a point in a shootout. These are troubling trends. Now, trends that are overall being improved upon, but it's again the idea that you you know plug the holes in the dam and other leaks are springing elsewhere. And while that might be an oversimplification, it does seem in a sense that's what we're seeing. And that's not what we should be seeing. We should be watching this team play at a very high level. We should be watching this team getting results. We should be watching them overall be able to win these games. They could have two more wins on their book. Again, when I look at what happened against Chicago, when I look at what happens against Anaheim, if the Sharks were five and seven right now, as opposed to three and eight with one overtime loss, I think we'd feel better about that, right? Like we would be that much better of a position. We would feel like the team was showing more of those signs and climbing towards getting into the playoff race or not even the playoff race, but just getting back to 500. And again, I think we can point to the newness of everything. I can think we can point to the lack of, you know, stellar play overall from Tomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer consistently, even though Timo's coming off a two-goal game, and yeah, he's got three now on the season. You expect more from Tomas Hurdle. You, you have some problems, and again, the Sharks are fixing problems while at the same time new problems are, are erupting or emerging. And I think that you have to get to a point where you can minimize your other problems to the point of them no longer being problems at all. Like we've seen in the second period, the Sharks have been the better team in the second period a lot as of late. They're starting to score in the third period. The first period has emerged as this problem. And now it's time to fix that because what's the one thing we've come back to time and time again? You've got to play 60 minutes of hockey. The loss against Vegas was entertaining. The win against Toronto was entertaining. The loss against Tampa was entertaining. The loss against Anaheim, entertaining. The problem is the Sharks aren't getting wins in games that they should be winning. All right, to talk about all of this and more and get you a look at tonight's game against Florida, we are now joined by Leah Hextall of ESPN, who will be on the call tonight. Leah, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm great. It's a beautiful day here in San Jose, so you can't ask for anything more because we also have a hockey game tonight. Yeah, and you've gotten to call some really entertaining games so far. You had that, you know, kind of back and forth one against Vegas, and then you had the shootout against Anaheim the other night. You've been watching Eric Carlson uh, go absolutely nuts. Let's just start there because Eric Carlson was a guy that maybe a lot of people felt that you know, his best days were behind him, but suddenly he's up there with the league leaders in goals. He's, you know, as of yesterday, I think he was only behind Connor McDavid and, you know, he's coming off a hat trick, the first of his career. It's, you know, th this kind of isn't supposed to be happening in a 32, but Eric Carlson is uh, intent on proving all the doubters wrong, it would seem. 
Well, I think the big key there, Ted, is that we have a healthy Eric Carlson and we knock on wood right there because I truly believe that Eric Carlson has always had this in him. I mean, we've seen it. You don't win two Norris trophies for no reason. But yes, to your point, over the last few seasons, because of his limitations due to injury, last year we know the forearm surgery, which limited him to 50 games, we haven't seen this offensive flair. But here he is, healthy putting on a show, as you said, I, you know, I couldn't believe that honestly, that was his first career hat trick right. when I received that stat from my, my ESPN coworker in the booth, because he does have so much offensive flair in his career, but there it was in a four point game for the defenseman. And, you know, I felt like I was saying his name every second play when I was calling the game on Tuesday, it was just on his stick so much. And I truly believe if he hadn't taken that penalty in overtime, mm -hmm. we would have seen the San Jose Sharks win that game. Yeah, that's how I felt as well. And we asked him about that penalty after the game, and he said that you know he understood why it was called, mm -hmm. um, even if I didn't think it was the, the greatest call. That's my own personal opinion. I'm not trying to put words in uh, Eric Carlson's mouth. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that he is such a good skater, skater on the open ice like that when you do get you know the overtime situation. It could have been different. But you know, let's, let's look beyond Eric Carlson with the Sharks because – as you well know, they have the capability of playing really well against some of the top teams in the league. Like they got a very nice win uh, over the Rangers on the road and they played really tight against Tampa, a team that's been in three straight Stanley Cup finals, winning two of those until last year. But, you know, they also were really, really sloppy in the first period. Head coach David Quinn came out and said after the game that that may have been their worst period of hockey of the year. And they gave up three goals to Anaheim, who you know, came in at the at the bottom of the Pacific. So, you know, your, your thoughts kind of on the, the inconsistencies of the Sharks. I think that has something, Ted, to do with the newness. And I'm not making excuses for the Sharks, but they did have, I believe, seven new players on their opening night roster that were not there last year. And where that can really affect things is on special teams. Now, we've seen that their penalty kill is straight fire right now, second in the NHL. It's only given up two goals, I think, in 36 attempts, if I'm correct. And But their power play still doesn't seem to be where it's at. And they need to get that going. Um, but, you know, I just think I, I agree with Quinn. He said the same thing to us on the broadcast when we interviewed him. He was not happy with that first period. You can see statistically their first periods have not been strong for them. But, you know, they're going to find a way, I think, to get this going. But they're not the only team right now in the NHL that is struggling with this. I mean, this is what fascinates me about the league this year. We have these teams that are the upper echelon, and there's really only a handful of them. And then we have teams that are really struggling. And then we have all these kind of middle-of-the-road teams that don't seem to have an identity, even one of them being the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, it's, it's just one of those things this year where it's a little bit chaotic, and we're not sure what we're seeing from a lot of these teams because there's a lack of identity because of how much movement there was this past offseason. And Let's, the Sharks are one of those teams that have suffered from that. Yeah, mo most definitely. And it, it'll be interesting to see how it does progress because, you know, the for lack of a, uh, a more intelligent way of putting it, the consistency is the fact that they are inconsistent. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I it's interesting looking at the Panthers who, you know, they their efforts fell short last year, even though they had a very, very good year. 
Um, they made some big changes in the offseason. They're off to an okay start. It, it takes some time if we want to, you know, borrow from what you were just saying a moment ago. What do you what do you see in this team? What do you think Sharks fans should know going into the game tonight? Well, I don't think that this is the Panthers team that put up 122 points last season and won the President's Trophy. That's not going to be the case for Florida this year. They're going to be a team that's going to struggle a little bit more, even though they brought in a player like Matthew Kachuk, who's leading the way for them offensively with 13 points. Mm -hmm. But let's look at what they lost in that trade. It was Huberto and it was Mackenzie Weger. The bottom line is they don't have number five, and that's Aaron Ekblad. He was at practice yesterday. We went down to the Florida Panthers practice, and he was working on the power play. He looked really good. He's not ready to go yet, but I think his return is coming. But without him, the Panthers special teams, they just fall off the mark and you've seen that since his you know injury his grade two groin strain so you know without him in the lineup there's been a lot of defensemen who have had to pick up his minutes and the biggest one is being Brandon Montour and I would watch for number 62 tonight this is a player that last year was averaging about over 17 minutes time on ice since Ekblad was injured he's jumped over to 26 minutes Ooh. that is an incredible increase from a player that even himself yesterday Montour said to me when I came in from Buffalo, the organization looked at me as if I was a depth guy. So he's really enjoying this extra responsibility. And right now, his two goals on the power play actually lead the team. So he's seen a big increase in time. So has Gustav Forsling. But their back end without Ekblad is suffering. Their special teams are suffering. Their goaltending, Sergei Bobrovsky, not quite you know, where he needs to be right now. I believe he's lost his last three starts. Mm -hmm. So this is not the Panthers team of old and that even goes up top with Barkov I mean playing with Huberto last season really helped him he's only got one goal so far through 10 games so you know he's struggling a bit you see Sam Reinhardt who's looking for his first goal still I mean these are guys who were huge for them last year so I don't think this is going to be the Panthers team that's going to be as dominant as last year but that is what they expected this year and I really think they're kind of looking at Paul Maurice comes in, takes the bullets this year, works the team, see how they do. But I think they're looking actually towards next season and when they get a little bit more cap space and that's going to be the year where they feel that they have a chance to challenge to win. Yeah, I mean, do you were you surprised by the wholesale changes that were made after having such an incredible season? Like, I get it. You want to have sustainability. You want to create cap space. You want to, you know, look to the long term. But at the same time, you know, there was a pretty good formula in place a year ago and you went down in the playoffs to Tampa, who is a different beast. I mean, I, I can make some arguments about them and the way they perform as being one of the best teams we've ever seen. I understand mm -hmm. that's disappointing, but at the same time, you don't make three consecutive Stanley Cup finals by accident. You go down to that team. I don't know that that necessi is necessarily a reason to change so much. Well, you know, it, it is change. You're absolutely right. I mean, you know, making making that deal, that, that came out of left field to so many people in the hockey world, the Kachuk trade and getting, you know, sending Huberto and Uyghur the other way, which, you know, when you look at that trade, you really have to wonder who won it. And and I feel like with the addition of Uyghur to Huberto, because you look at Huberto and Kachuk and offensively they match up, but the Uyghur addition to me is what makes it so successful for Calgary because that is such a big player. But 
I, I kind of look at it, and this to me is just Bill Zito, classic Bill Zito. He is a very smart hockey mind. He's very involved with his hockey club. And I think, again, as I just mentioned, I don't think that that trade was about this year. I think they're putting like a chessboard. They're putting certain pieces in place for when they get their cap space back and then they can add a few things like a winger for Bennett, for instance, and maybe another defenseman. And then when they have that, that's when they can challenge to win the cup. I really feel that this season is kind of just for them. Yes, we want to be competitive, but we know you know, deep down, we probably don't have the horses to get there yet, but the next season. So I think this is all a big plan by the general manager. Leah, thank you so much for your time again. You've put up with me twice in nine days. Have a great call tonight and we'll see you at the tank. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Ted. It's my pleasure. Another thing that we have seen seemingly this year is that the Sharks are able to bounce back and have good performances after they've had bad ones. And I think the only time we can really look at having two consecutive really bad games was game four and game five of the year when they lost to Chicago and then went lost to the Islanders. And then game six, they had their first win of the year. So yes, there are some troubling trends that we've seen as of late, but one of the more positive trends is that when they've had these bad nights, they usually have been able to bounce back. And that's what I'm hoping we get tonight at the tank. Because listen, they've beaten Toronto. They have beaten New York. They have had wins that are against quality teams. The Flyers were at a hot point when they faced them earlier in the year. They are capable of playing much better hockey than they have at certain points. And again, you point to the one bad period that they had against the Ducks the other night. Yeah, you give up three goals in a period. It's not going to bode well on the rest of the evening, especially if it's the first period. And especially when you battle back from a one nothing deficit to take a 2-1 lead, and it's Eric Carlson leading the way with two goals. If you're up 2-1 off two goals from Eric Carlson, again, you should be winning that game at the end of the first period. You should be winning the game when the night is done because that same Eric Carlson had a hat trick. Anaheim is fast. I'm acknowledging that. They are more fleeter of foot than you see with the San Jose Sharks. But again, the Sharks should not have had that performance the other night. And that's that's the inconsistency we're talking about is that you cannot plan on the Sharks playing so well against the Rangers in Tampa Bay while at the same time planning on them performing poorly against Anaheim and Chicago. That doesn't jive. That is not a talent thing. That is a mental thing, and that's what the team has to fix. The mental miscues of the San Jose Sharks, the problems they've brought to their own table, that's on them, right? Like, they are capable of fixing these problems. They are capable of rectifying these mental miscues and putting themselves in a much better situation. That is what I hope we get to see tonight. That is what I am hoping the San Jose Sharks are capable of doing, that they can just play that clean game. We haven't seen too many of those clean performances this year. I guess the Philadelphia game was the closest, but even then there were there were some problems during the game. There were some bad moments. They were just able to absorb things and put themselves in a winning position. I would hope that that is something that they are capable of continuing as they get better in the year, to have more of those games where they're able to absorb the problems, not let it hamper them, not let it be this massive problem that keeps them from winning in the game. I mean, these are the things. They are letting little things be problematic to the point where it derails them. And while they have been reducing the glaring, glaring mistakes that they had earlier in the year, these other problems are still finding ways to lead to them not getting a win when all is said and done. Tampa's going to come at you. You give up a goal in the last second of the game or last minute of the game, I should say. I understand that. What bothers me more is they gave up that goal in the first period of the game. You have a similar situation with the game against Anaheim. And again, these problems are repeating themselves for a reason. 
Now, much to the Sharks' credit, they have been rectifying certain problems, but it's still the consistency of inconsistency and the lack of 60 minutes of hockey. Again, I thought the Sharks had moved past this. My big challenge for them on this evening will be for them to be hot out of the gate, not be on your heels immediately, not be the reactionary team. Make Florida react. Florida is not the same team they were a year ago. There is a good chance they will be in the playoffs when all is said and done, but they do not have the same type of overall ability that we saw last year. They are coming off of a 3-1 loss to the Coyotes, and they are continuing on the West Coast, playing the Sharks tonight, then the Kings on Saturday, Sunday the Ducks, and then they'll be back home. So they are in the midst of a different time zone. They just played the other night. They're coming off a loss. They are going to be fired up and ready to go, but the Sharks have to be ready for that. They have to be ready for the push that's going to come from the opposition. All right, we are just about out of time. Be sure to join us at 7 o'clock for live pregame coverage right here on the Sharks Audio Network as we get you ready for tonight's game against the Panthers. Uh, You can sync your TV broadcast to the Sharks game by using sjsharks.com slash listen if you would like a home call. We will see you tomorrow morning on Morning Tide for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.